Welcome to Cottonmouth Manchester, a podcast brought to you by Citico, the city centre management company for Manchester and Salford. I'm Vaughan Allen from Citico, and this time we're talking about the launch of MoBike, Manchester's first major bike sharing scheme, and all things cycling and cyclist in Manchester. We're at Manchester Central, where MoBike has just had its first launch, helped along the way by the great and the good. The scheme officially launches on the 29th of June across Manchester and Salford. I'm joined by Steve Pyre from MoBike UK, who will introduce us to the concept and the company. Alongside him is Eve Holt, cycling and low-carbon campaigner, who is leading on what seems like hundreds of projects to make Manchester and the North a better place, to talk a little about Manchester's somewhat checkered recent history with cycling. And also by Liz Clark from BikeRite, the largest cycle training company in the UK, to talk through how we get more bikes on the road. Steve, starting with you. Morning, Vaughan. What's the background to MoBike as a company? So MoBike has only been in operation for about a year and a half now. It was set up by a lady called Weiwei Hu, who wanted to reduce pollution in cities, a problem that cities all over the world are facing, um, especially in the UK. London's failed its emissions within the first couple of weeks of the year. So it, it's something that speaks, speaks to all of us, really. The company's been going for 18 months, and in that time, they've gone from zero bikes to about 5 million bikes in operation and 20 million journeys every single day using our bikes. So the, the take-up has been phenomenal. We're now coming out of Asia for the first time. We've chosen Manchester to be our official Out of Asia launch. And in only seven days' time, we'll be bringing MoBike to the streets of Manchester with a 1,000 bikes. It's all in hand, all under control. Excellent. You sound very confident. That's good to know. Um, personally, how did you get involved? What's your background? So I worked on Boris bikes in London for seven years. We're not allowed to call them Boris bikes anymore, are we? I don't work there anymore, so I'm allowed to call them what I like. Because um, Labour supporters will point out that it was actually Ken's idea, and they should be called Ken Bikes. I'll just move on from that. Santander Cycles is the official term. I worked for them for seven years and decided to do something slightly different, still within bike share. But I, in seven years, I think I've become part of the bike share family throughout the world. I've been to lots of conferences, uh, and it's, it's an amazing thing to be involved in. So my, I, I really enjoy bike share. I really enjoy seeing people out on bikes. I gave a, a story earlier when I was talking that the very first day Boris Bikes was launched. I was out in London on a bike. Somebody came up and rode next to me and just stopped at traffic lights and said, hey, mate, I'm on one of these too. And it was so exciting to see see other people using what we've been putting together. So that's that's why I, I like bike share and why I've I carried on and I've moved on to Mobike. And, and seeing the company, doing a lot of research on the company, they're such an ethical brand. They're such a loved brand in China. And I, I hope that we'll make that the same over here. So Mobike is in numerous cities in China. It's in Singapore, uh, elsewhere across Asia. But this is its first move outside of Asia. So why Manchester? We were looking for a global launch city that wasn't in Asia. So China is where we're based mainly. Um, it's where it was set up. We moved into Singapore only in March this year, and we looked. We were looking for a company. Um, uh, sorry, a city in Europe. And Manchester uh, is, is ripe for a bike share scheme. They've been doing lots of research into bike share over the last probably three or four years. Um, they've done lots of consultations. I myself came up with my previous company to talk to them about maybe putting a bike share here. Um, and they've started to, to increase the infrastructure here. So the City Road, uh, sorry, the Oxford Road project um, with a proper, genuine segregated cycle lane is really good for, for the UK. We're, we're falling behind, really compared to uh, many other parts of the world. So um, the, the City Council, Transport for Greater Manchester, were really ripe for a scheme. Um, and the mobile proposition, because we've got such great economies of scale, we, we don't take any taxpayers' money. We can just come in, we can offer the scheme without uh, the council paying anything. 
So I think it was the perfect marriage at the perfect time. And Manchester has got phenomenal links with China. We've got lots of students coming over. We have Manchester China Forum here that works really closely with businesses to get links into China. Um, and it's going to really, the profile of Manchester in China is going to go through the roof. We've, we've got 100 million people signed up using our app. And that's just people that use the app and use the bikes. Everyone sees it. It's in all the China press. I think that's one of the interesting things about since it was announced uh, on the 12th of June, is there's almost been as much interest in getting publicity out into China about how important this is for the company that they're moving into Europe and, and moving into the West as publicity here about the project that's coming. Correct. It, it's been massive. So um, China's biggest daily newspaper had over 100,000 hits in the first three hours after it published that Mobike was moving into Manchester, um, which, which is huge. That was just in three hours. Uh, and part of that has been CityGo's lovely head of events and his dog on, on a mobike in South Manchester as well going. Uh, it's, it's not gone to his head, I think it's gone to the dog's head slightly as well. Nelson's photo has gone viral, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, I, th I think he is now seen as the face of mobikes lately and has to be uh, photographed once again on every mobike that goes around. Um, now, you talked about the Boris bike, so what makes the service different to the Santander bike, the Boris bike, um, that everybody knows, that everybody's experienced? So traditional bikes share is the docked schemes. The bikes generally are dumb. There's no technology on them. Uh, and you have to put them into a dock, which then locks the bike in place. So if you want to put those in a city, it's quite expensive. It's, the infrastructure is expensive. You've then got to service it. You've got to clean it. Uh, plus, you need the planning permission. You need to dig holes in the ground. And if you decide you put it in the wrong place, because a lot of this is all theory until people get involved and human behavior starts interfering with how it works, um, to, to take those out of the ground, again, is that expense of making the road good. Mobike is dockless. It doesn't have that infrastructure. All the technology is on the bike. We can track our bikes. They've got GPS in. They're connected to the Internet of Things. We know where they are at any one time. We can just very quickly deploy them. And we have Mobike preferred locations, which are just squares or rectangles of land that's, that's marked out with a clear signage in place so people know where to put them. And they can also put them in any public bike stand. So you don't have the cost of all that infrastructure. And if we decide when in conjunction with the city or with whoever, where the Mobike preferred location is, if we decide that it's not in a good space, it's not getting the footfall, people aren't using it, well, we just move it. It's really simple. You put it somewhere else. That's it. Um, so, which I, I can assume will be very, very attractive to local authorities that you don't have all that infrastructure to pay for in the first place. Yes, it, it's difficult. The public realm is, you know, space is hard to come by. Um, and to put very solid, fixed infrastructure in is, is tricky. It takes a lot of planning, a lot of people to be involved in it. To put something temporary in or that could be temporary if you want to move it, it it's, it's simple. Okay. So how do people sign up? How does the service work? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. It's all app-based, iOS or Android. You register to be a member using your phone. You pay the deposit, which for the month of July is a one-off deposit of £29. After that, it's going to go up to £49 um, at the end of July, so from the 1st of August. And that is a one-off fully refundable deposit. If you decide to cancel your membership after a day, a year, 10 years, then you get that money back. That just kind of makes the bikes, uh, gives a bit of value. People look after it, that sort of thing. Once you're registered and signed up to the app, it's 50 pence for a half an hour journey. So it's really easy. You open the app up. It shows a map of where you are. It shows where all the bikes are located nearby. You can click on one of those bikes. It shows the route wayfinder to get there. When you get there, you press an unlock button, which opens your camera. You scan a QR code on the bike. The lock opens and you're off. Simple. And are you expecting the majority of users to be sort of under that half hour time period or half hour to an hour? 
most you wouldn't take it for a day out touring in the peak districts probably no um these are city bikes they're really well designed for use in the city but the bikes are designed for short journeys you can you get it from point a 10 minutes 15 minutes to point b you park it up you go and do your shopping you go to the cinema you come and get a different bike when you come back and in the meantime people have taken the bike that you used and, and moved around it's real shared economy you don't have to take your own bike you don't have to worry about it getting stolen locking it up you don't have to worry about servicing it it's a, sh a shared economy system and it, it works really well like that uh, and we're in a really interesting place in manchester with another 15 20 000 people going to be living in the city in the next 10 years or so um you still see bikes out on balconies i live in the city center in the northern quarter uh, and quite often in the in the flats neighboring me there'll, there'll be bikes out on balconies you won't need to do that anymore you you'll have a very easy system to pick up outside your flat and just roll across the city to the university to down to the keys wherever you want to go correct um a lot of people are living in flats these days so the population's growing and you don't really want to be lifting your bike up to the fifth floor and, or trying to squeeze it through and getting your walls all covered, which well, I've done myself. Um, you can just go outside. You can see before you even leave your flat, your apartment, that there's a bike outside. And with we have the facility to reserve the bike as well. So when I say you can click on the bike and it shows you the route finder, you can also reserve it for up to 15 minutes if you want to. So before you even leave, you know there's a bike, you know you've got one waiting for you. And when you get there, you scan the QR code and you're off. So, yeah. So um, how can businesses get involved? We're very happy to talk to businesses. There's many things we can do. First of all, there's uh, joint marketing, joint promotions. If your business has aspirations of working in China or um, interacting with Chinese visitors that come over here or Chinese students that come to Manchester, we're more than happy to do joint marketing, joint PR. Uh, we've got very active Twitter, social media accounts with some very clever people that manage that for us. Um, but we're also looking for preferred locations. So I said uh, one of the questions we had here was, you know, will I be able to get a dock outside my business? And research has shown that when you do have a docking station or a preferred location for bike share outside your business, maybe a coffee shop, a sandwich shop, people it increases footfall. People will park right outside it. The first thing they want to do before they go in their office in the morning is grab a cup of coffee. I've not even finished one this morning. I'd like one. but um, So it increases footfall, it increases awareness. You can go straight to it. We've spoken to several people today that are really excited about maybe creating a mobile preferred location outside their business and, and how we can jointly promote that. Cool. And so how many bikes are going to be out on the streets in Manchester? We are starting off at launch with 1,000 bikes. Um, they all launch on the 29th of June. Uh, we'll have about just under 200 in the Based square. in the city centre? Uh, Manchester and Salford? Manchester and Salford, yes. Uh, and where will you be in a year's time then? That's an interesting question. We are a very responsible operator. We are working in conjunction with Salford, uh, Manchester City and Transport for Greater Manchester. We've got lots of data coming in from our bikes when they launch. We'll be knowing where they're going, where people are trying to hire them from, where people are downloading the app from. So we're going to use all of this data, all of the statistics we get from this and work with all, with all of our partners to slowly increase the number of bikes until there's an optimum level throughout the city that everybody agrees on. And are you looking at other cities in the UK as well? Of course, yes. Um, genuinely, genuinely, when this works, when this goes live, when the rest of Europe, the world, sees that this proposition works in Manchester, uh, people will be ringing us, I guarantee it. Bike share is wanted by everyone, but public money is hard to come by. So how can people find out more? They can just get in touch. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You'll be seeing me all over the press if you haven't already. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, or just uh, use our social media, Facebook, that kind of thing. We, we'll get in touch with you. Uh, Twitter's at Mobike UK, I believe. Correct. Thank you. I remembered that. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks very much, Paul.
So, Eve, um, how does Manchester compare to other British and European cities in supporting cycle use? Yeah, unfortunately, lags way behind a lot of our counterparts really across Europe. Um, I mean, Copenhagen has always held up as sort of whole, the benchmark really when you every, ask. Every photo of Copenhagen has cycles on it, doesn't it? It does. Um, and actually, it's, I've spent a lot of time looking looking further afield to see uh, what other examples, because you get bored of hearing the same answer when people say, what would you like it to look like in, uh, in Manchester? Um, but even within the UK as well, the UK generally lags behind um, a lot of other countries in Europe. But within the UK, you know, there are other cities here that have already got bike share schemes um, and that have invested more. And um, we're lagging behind London, for example, in terms of the level of investment per head. And there are other cities like Leicester, um, Bristol, Cambridge, which see far greater share of, of use of bikes um, than we do in Manchester at the minute. Um, why do you think that is historically? I mean, some of the cities you talk about, Cambridge, obviously Bristol, um, big student populations, but we've got a huge student population. So that's not the only thing driving it. Yeah, I think there needs to be the political will, there needs to be the real ambition amongst your leaders, um, there also needs to be obviously the funding, um, and I think we're seeing that shift now, um, we've seen greater wish, um, Andy Burnham for example recently pledged within our manifesto um, to make Manchester um, and Greater Manchester you know, really push towards being a great cycling city. We haven't, over the years, I think, had a big enough ambition for that. Um, and funding cuts, to be fair, take their toll. Um, and I think what we have seen work, which has been a, you know, a push with TFGM to invest in infrastructure and to take a more joined-up approach across Greater Manchester, has still been fairly um, slow because there hasn't been the level of investment to make a big enough shift quickly. Uh, there's also been a growth in the number of cycle businesses and in social enterprises and in kind of community clubs as well and touring groups, which is great. But again, often still on quite fragile ground where there hasn't been the security for them in terms of their businesses and how they proceed for them to confidently grow and provide the level of services to meet really the demand that there is in this city. Yeah, we didn't have businesses like uh, Pop-Up Bikes and Rafa and those, those sort of things at different ends of the scale. Uh, I'm a regular at Pop-Up Bikes in the Green Quarter. Um, you, you just didn't have those sort of businesses where you'd have bike repair and coffee. Um, it's an interesting combination. I don't know who the, f who the first people, that, I suppose it came from the West Coast or maybe from Amsterdam as, as an idea. But actually you're starting to see that sort of um, the ecology change as well as a top-down work on massive investment in superstructure. Absolutely. And I think the, the cycling, cycling ecosystem across Manchester is really exciting. It has massive potential. And I think that this could help be a catalyst in realising that potential. Um, but it could also break it if it goes wrong. Um, and in terms of making sure that it, it works well, and um, what we've seen is that we do need to have that joined up approach. It does need to be integrated wherever transport. Um, it does need to, it requires Mobike, which you know, I'm really pleased to hear to say today, they've been talking about how they're going to work with partners. And that obviously includes your leaders across Manchester and Salford and TFGM who are all talking you know, very excitedly today about this scheme and with the businesses, a lots of whom have been represented here today. And again, are looking at how they work with, um, with Mobike. I would also like to see how they work with yeah, activists, with the campaign groups, um, with the community cycling clubs, for example. Um, so I've been actively involved in helping develop community cycling clubs in Manchester. And it's been a real strength that I think we need to be able to draw upon in terms of recognising that whole ecology. Um, and particularly 
if we recognise that for me, success, what does that look like? It's not just about numbers. Um, it's about recognising who's cycling, who are they going to support to cycle in the future. And the best examples of cycling cities are ones where actually we see currently underrepresented groups, for example, women, families, often BME communities, um, and people over a certain age, particularly over 65, but even over 35, there's often a lack of, a lack of people represented in those age groups. In the cities where it really works, which is what I'd like to see here, we see those that completely gets reversed and it becomes the norm. It becomes the norm if you're a woman at 65 for you to go to your local shops, visit your family on your bike. Um, and that's where I think we really need to harvest the opportunities we've got in terms of those community clubs, the activities that are going on within communities and groups like Cycling UK, like Sus Trans, our training providers, so Liz is going to be talking in a minute, for example, um, that all enable more people to cycle, so it really genuinely becomes something for everyone. So it can't just be about commuters picking up at the train station and going to their office and then going back again? Absolutely. I mean, you know, unfortunately what we see at the minute in, in Manchester is still that very sort of white male, man in light, mammals, mammals as they're often referred to, and um, you know that is still the trend in the UK, and that's why we need to look at examples, you know, in in Scandinavia, for example, where that's that's no longer the case. Yeah, I think one of the things that really excites me, which I talked about at the launch earlier, is um, that we know that the the cost of transport from some of the more deprived areas into the city centre um, is often a major disincentive, if not the major disincentive, for people to actually come in and take jobs. And there are a huge number of jobs which are at entry level, which can end up at very far from entry level if if you start at the right point. And I think something like this, which we're talking about 50p for a half hour, if you can if you can pick up the bikes, could actually make a fundamental difference to the economy of the city. And a, and a sort of post Brexit era where we actually need more. Uh, I hate the term, but local people to, to take jobs uh, because we can't necessarily rely on the population coming from Europe that we, we've had. Um, this could be the vehicle, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> by which that happens. Absolutely. It really enables people to connect with local employment and skills and training opportunities. And, you know, I've seen that in terms of the work we've been doing with community clubs and around training, people being able to access a bike has enabled them to go and access their local education and also enabled them to train themselves to become more confident. And that might mean that they actually spark off and they set up their own bike business as well. Um, there are huge benefits for the local economy and beyond skills and employment, it actually means more people shop locally. So it's great for the local economy. Um, Eli Blue did a brilliant book about bikeonomics that I read probably about six years ago now. And it sets out, you know, just the vast array in which cycling boosts economy um, in so often in ways that maybe we don't currently recognise. Um, and I think that can really help again in helping that whole ecosystem absolutely thrive in every corner. Um, talking about the economic benefits, but also... Presumably there are major health benefits as well. Um, we know some of the health statistics, again, from the more deprived areas of Manchester are um, far from great. Um, so actually, if this can represent a step change in the culture, um, where could we be in, in 10, 15, 20 years in, in terms of health benefits? Oh, it's huge. Um, and the benefits going back to the economy for that, again, is huge. Um, there's been lots of research done about the savings that you potentially make in terms of public health. Um, if you've got more people being active and a bike provides a great vehicle in which people can stay active, um, they can be outside and the benefits that just come of being outdoors um, also enables people to connect 
much better with other people, which has huge benefits to people's general mental health and well-being. Um, it enables people often to kind of give and support each other, which is one of the five ways to well-being that New Economics Foundation talked about in terms of well-being. Uh, in fact, I haven't found a better vehicle yet in in any way are there any downsides at all no i mean supporting our health and it's not just you as a cyclist yourself and the obvious impact in terms of the physical well-being that you get from being on a bike and mental well-being even if you're a car user in manchester if you have more people that are riding bikes the quality of the air that you're breathing you know we've seen huge problems um within Manchester in terms of poor air quality and how that impacts, particularly if you look at schools where we've seen that, you know, incredibly high. So even if you yourself, for whatever reason, don't feel that's a choice for you, potentially your children will still be gaining a huge benefit when they're playing the playground if you've got more people out on their bikes. Okay, so Steve's talking about a thousand bikes um, uh, with a glint in his eye, obviously looking towards thousands more. Um, so what's needed within Manchester for that to be a success? I mean, particularly in terms of the infrastructure, what needs to change? Hmm. And we've already yeah, talked, touched upon the fact that our infrastructure currently lags behind and it has to be a priority. Um, I think everybody recognises that, but learning how we do that best and where the investment comes from to do that well and to make sure that that has that connectivity, not just across Manchester and into city centre, but acknowledges that for vast number of people, they are travelling in from other parts of Greater Manchester and the North, and therefore that real need to build in a cycling infrastructure, which is integrated with the rest of our public transport, is absolutely key. And that does mean segregated cycle paths. Um, people have, you know, song praises of, of Oxford Road and some of the advantages some of the ad advances we've made recently but they don't go anywhere near far enough um, and I personally am a confident cyclist and cycling instructor and I cycle into Manchester City Centre every day uh, would I currently recommend it for somebody who's new to a bike no <laughs> in, pa in patches it's poor so it needs to make sure that it's more consistently joined up across the board. Um, but that's the obvious. So people tend to focus on the roads. There's also the other areas of infrastructure. So again, talking about those local businesses and what are the potential preferred locations and how they help to address, you know, in terms of marketing, but perception around cyclists and who's it for, that this is for everybody. I think they've got a really key role to play. And it's really important that they work with Mobike and Mobike listen to them. And then also, as I said, in terms of our community clubs, you know, and voluntary groups and social enterprises that we have that, again, are fantastic ambassadors and are doing lots to particularly support people that maybe wouldn't otherwise access a bike to help them get on a bike. And I'm really excited to see how they will work, I guess, with us to really look at, you know, providing bikes in those locations where people who might not want to cycle into town um, but might want to cycle around their local park and be able to explore some more green and blue spaces or to their local shops. And I think that would be fantastic to have as an asset. So drawing upon all those strengths we've got, um, we are the home of British cycling. Um, and, you know, historically, that's, again, been very much a sport-specific focus, but they are recognising with changes in funding. Um, actually, there needs to be a broader focus all round on cycling being about everyone of all ages of all backgrounds and that's that's what mobile i think needs to really be thinking about um for it to work for us in manchester and are you confident we'll get there this happy I promised am. land i'm an optimist i'm always an optimist and i think bikes bring brilliant things and i think we 
I think it will be a catalyst. Um, I think if Mobike genuinely do work with everybody and do listen to what is working, um, I think there does need to be the support from our leaders um, and politically um, to look at those areas of infrastructure that do need to be addressed. And I hope that we can then see some much more rapid progress. And if, again, there is a recognition of that whole ecosystem and we, re I guess, learn from the likes of London who haven't yet managed to address the gap between your existing cyclists and your unrepresented groups and actually go, well, what are they doing differently in places like Scandinavia that make this accessible for far more people? Then I think we can see an absolutely flourishing cycling industry, which will be better for everybody. Yeah, I think one of the big differences, I think, te technology-wise, is um, the Boris bikes, the Santander bikes, actually they still are quite intimidating. Working out how you use them, what they're there for, um, for visitors to the city is, is quite strange. And so you can imagine for an awful lot of people that just wouldn't even think about it. Um, and though Mobike does involve downloading an app, uh, the reality is that people are used to that process. And beyond that, it's about picking up the bike wherever it may be. So um, those barriers to entry of mm -hmm. just intimidation hopefully aren't quite the same with Mobike as they are with the, with the uh, Boris bike. Yeah, and, and that's key. I mean, Liz, I think this morning described how they're a good fit for Manchester because they're colourful and funky and innovative. And we like to do things differently. And I think that's absolutely perfect. They need to be... People, when they talk about the joy of cycling, they talk about playing. And they need to represent that. It needs to be something that we want to do that feels easy. Um, and I think, you know, I would like to see them for everybody. And that means children as well. So I look forward to seeing mini Mobike in the future so we can help get every child cycling and support that as a, a whole family thing to yeah, do. I, I was going to ask Steve about that, actually. <laughs> um, thank you for that, Eve. Uh, moving on to Liz. Um, tell, me about <laughs> tell me about Bike Ride. Uh, what does it do? Why was it set up? Um, bike ride's been in existence since around about 2000 um, when we set it up as a community kind of club to start children cycling. Um, I've got four children. My partner has one. There was no cycle training. Well, there was cycle training in their school, but there were only 20 schools in Manchester who actually had cycle training. So we worked out with five children that maybe one or two of them would actually get some cycle training when they were at school. And it's something that I did at school uh in the 70s in the playground with the policeman i passed my 11 plus i, I got a bicycle <laughs> you know uh, and i still remember it and if you ask a group of people of a certain age they've often still got their badge and it's something that people remember so it's so significant so i was quite saddened to find out that the it nothing was really happening in a lot of schools it was done by road safety teams who didn't ride a bike and it, it, it was all you know very structured in, in the playground so along came uh, the national standard for cycle training which i was part of in the very beginning and out of that came bikeability um which is a based on national standard for children who are aged uh eight nine ten uh, 11, kind of towards the end of, of, of primary school, where they first of all do session in the playground and then we actually take them on road. So bikeability is kind of today's um, cycle training with today's standards, today's traffic, looking at road signs, looking at what it's like cycling on the road, where to cycle, because people don't know where to cycle anymore. And that's one of the problems. So in Manchester, for example, there were about 200 children trained per year and now we train six, 7,000 just in Manchester. 
across the northwest. We train about 25,000 children. And is it just children, adults as well? Um, we train adults as well. We train anybody who uses a bicycle for work. So the police, the fire service, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, Our first responders are on bikes as well. Yes, first yeah, responders, yeah. yeah, ambulance. We've done a lot of training with them. Uh, we do it nationally as well. So, uh, and actually, I'm afraid to say, whoever puts parking tickets on your cars, we train them as well, and they're on bicycles. <laughs> do, you train, no do you train them to cycle off fast <laughs> after it? There's no getting away from it. I have to say, around Manchester, and I see the bikes, and I, you know, I know which bikes they are, so it's, it's quite nice to see that. Uh, and, and what about companies as well? Um, well, within kind of companies, in the, in the past, uh, before TFGM kind of came along a few years ago, uh, we've done a lot of work with the universities, with businesses, to try and encourage people to cycle, work with the bike user groups, um, kind of help set them up. But our main thing is about cycle training, because if you don't train the people, they don't know how to ride on the roads or where to ride on the roads, you're not going to get people riding. Because if you ask people, they'll go, it's too dangerous. I, I can't, I'm too scared. And people are scared, you know, cycling on, on, on the roads. But people always think about their car journey. So they think, I couldn't possibly cycle down Prince's Parkway. And it's like, well, why would you cycle down Prince's <laughs> Parkway? I mean, I would if I needed to get from A to B. But a lot of people, it's completely intimidating. Car drivers think you're a complete lunatic, you know, on Prince's Parkway. But, you know, you, you do it. But there are some fantastic routes in Manchester so I live in South Manchester and I can get into the city centre, across the city centre. I can go through parks. I can use off-road cycle routes. I can go on the roads. There are routes. People don't know about them. Uh, it's always been one of the challenges and I think it was one of the first things uh, we did when I came into CityGo was actually look at some of the green spaces and the blue spaces and particularly um, the fact that we just don't use the canals. You can get from one side yes. of the city centre really simply using the canal towpaths. Yes. Yeah, you can, if, if you don't want a quick journey, if you want a quick journey, you just want to go kind of, you know, straight down the main main road. But, you know, there needs to be more done with that. I'm fascinated how Mobikes will kind of map the data on where people cycle because often the planners put the routes in that suit them and where it'll fit in, what we'll find out with the data is actually where people cycle. So, you know, example, I cycled into into city centre yesterday. I couldn't turn right onto, onto Portland Street, and I wanted to go to Portland Street, so I got off, walked over the road, walked over the other road, got back on my bike, because there's no right turn. So... <laughs> um, generally, are the streets of Manchester safe for cyclists? And... Uh, Particularly, what are the attitudes of other road users? Mixed, I assume. But The attitudes are very mixed. I have to say, over the years, it has got better. There is not so much aggression. And I think because more people are cycling, they're more understanding. Um, you know, if you think about the advanced stop line boxes that are at the front of, the tr of, of nearly all the traffic lights, people didn't even know what they were, you know. Uh, I've been edged out of those by a car because you've come in front of them and they're kind of, you know, amazed that you've got in front of them and why are you there? But now people kind of understand what it is. And the reason is, is that cyclists need to get off quicker, faster and safer and not at the side of traffic. Um, so, I mean, but we've seen what's happened um, in London. There's quite a lot of people were were killed or injured um, by HGVs turning left on them. And that's actually a training issue. Um, so there's been 
thousands and thousands of HGV drivers trained, as well as thousands and thousands of cyclists. So we have to do both. So we have exchanging places. Uh, we tr all HGV drivers, all professional drivers now have to take um, a, a full day course on safe urban driving. That include tra taxi drivers then? Nice well, not yet, but I would like to see. There was some talk in Greater Manchester of that happening, that it would be part of the licence for the taxis. And I think it's absolutely essential now, especially if we're going to have this Mobike scheme in the city centre uh, and and around in other city, in, in other areas. We need the taxi drivers. They need the education about where cyclists cycle. <laughs> I guess with the black cabs having a, an incredibly short turning cycle as well, it's, it's yes. not like you can sort of prepare for it if you're on a bike. Yeah. It can actually just... Yeah. I mean, it is vital if we want to make the, the, uh, change the culture here. They have to do a licence test. All taxi drivers do. Even Uber drivers, they have to do you know, a test, but they don't uh, do any, any cycle awareness, and that's what they need to do. So we get all these HGV drivers on bikes for half a day. It is, I mean, it, it, it's a life changer for Does them. Does that go down well? It does. I mean, it's just brilliant. People, such good feedback, they get out on bikes, you know, they're a bit kind of, why have we got to do this? But actually, they totally understand why, because nobody wants to kill anybody else, do they? You certainly, you know, you're there driving a 20-ton truck, you can actually do a lot of damage to somebody, you know, on a bicycle. But, yeah. you know, sorry. And are we seeing the injury rate starting to decrease from uh, that left turn of HGVs as a result? I mean, I don't kind of follow those statistics. I try not to, but I know that the the rates have gone down. Uh, you know, in in London, there's much more kind of awareness and campaigns, and there's been a lot done with lorries that with the uh, their um, mirrors that they have on the lorries. Um, so th there has been a lot. And we get in that virtuous circle of, of as more people use bikes, and particularly with schemes like Mobike, then more people are experienced in it, and you just get yes. used to having more people out on the yeah. road as yeah. well. I, I mean, the great thing about Mobikes is they're very visual. They're not hidden away, and I think that's a lot with with a lot of the other bike schemes. You know, that you lose them. You don't know where they are. They're pretty boring colours, but I love this orange, you know. They, they will definitely be seen, and they will definitely, um, you know, be used, but... Uh, to start off with, it will be in the city centre. It will be for businesses. It will be for short journeys. And I said, you know, maybe, you know, later on, which I don't think it'll be very long because I think it'll have a massive impact. It will go out into the, into the you know, the other areas of, of Manchester and Greater Manchester. It'll be interesting to see how organic that is because obviously people will use the bikes to drive yes. to, to, to ride from the city centre out into the suburbs. Yeah. Um, and I think then Mobike has to start making the decision based on its information. Well, yes. are those bikes getting picked up in the suburbs and brought yes. back in? <laughs> how is that being used? And so they do generate the data, yeah. which actually makes allows them to make that business yeah. decision. It, 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 does. Really it does. I mean, the great thing is they can just flood the Greater Manchester with these bikes. Um, I mean, we've talked about having a bike share scheme in Manchester for years, and we did do a trial many, many years ago, but not enough bikes. People go, oh, 20 bikes. Well, it's completely useless. You know, you need to have bikes on every corner for this for this to happen. Um, now, CityGo is a, a business organisation, so um, what can employers do to encourage cycling? I mean, in, in general, employees can do a lot. They can actually provide some safe uh, parking for their staff. Um, you know, there has been a lot of work done on, done on this as well. There's a lot that you don't see because it's obviously in buildings, in basements, uh, around the back of buildings. You'll see a lot of these internal car parks have actually got some cycle parking within it. 
um, and provide space for, for cyclists and so they can put their wet uh, clothes when they go into work wet or have lockers where they can, um, you know, where they can keep things. Um, but also, I mean, I think with Mobike is the incentives that the businesses can actually sign up to, to Mobike um, very, very easily. Um, and I think stop paying taxi fares to go across the city. <laughs> yeah, that will be an interesting one. And and they they won't have corporate memberships initially, but that's one of the things yeah. that they want to investigate very, yeah, very quickly. Definitely, definitely. Very important. Um, so moving back to Bike Right. Yes. How do people get involved with Bike Right? Um, I mean, we are funded from Manchester City Council to, to deliver uh, cycle training in Manchester and through other local authorities. Uh, we win our work by tendering, competitive tendering. Um, the money does come from central government um, for, for bike ability. Currently there's £50 million pounds for ho- the whole of England, which actually is about half a million children, but we need double that to be able to offer every child in year five or six, because it's always done in one kind of year group, uh, the opportunity to take part in bikeability. And it's so important that this is a, a, a skill for life and that all children have the opportunity uh, and it's not a postcode lottery. So at the moment, if you have kids at school, what are the chances of them having a course? In Manchester, it's offered to every single primary school. But we, you know, we have managed to Which get... Which again is great for the future of using yes, bikes, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Thing. You know, in Salford it's about 20%. So, uh, you know, we, we need more consistent um, funding and delivery throughout Greater Manchester. And do you think that's something that leads back to the Mayor's office potentially? I do. These are conversations with, with Andy Burnham. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to Eve. And thank you to Liz as well. Um, Mobikes, by the time this goes out, should be around and about the city, so you should be seeing little orange flashes, orange and grey flashes, uh, hopefully not whizzing past too fast, uh, but all around the city. If you have any comments or ideas for things to cover in the future, you can talk to us on Twitter at CottonmouthMCR, uh, and we should be soon available on all good podcast services. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>